Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bullshit Detective podcast. My name is David Brown and today I've been talking to another David, David Breakspear. Now, David has been, well, in and around the prison system um, as, a, as a participant in being in prison for, well, for, for quite a long period of time, in and out, into the system, out of the system and so on. Uh, but he's come out the other side and he's come out better for it. So he actually has a, well, some positive things to say about the system, but also now works uh, to try and influence reform within the prison system. And really, this goes back to, well, the education system. It's about, you know, catching people young and influencing them before they get into that system and so on. So anyway, have a listen. I hope you enjoy the conversation. And I will catch you briefly at the end to say bye-bye. Remember to subscribe to this wonderful podcast. I'll speak to you in a bit. Bye. Before we get into the podcast proper, uh, I just added this bit. I happened across a website the other day called patreon.com. I was listening to another podcast by Blind Boy, which is my favorite podcast at the moment. And basically what this is for, it's for people who create wonderful content, such as myself, this podcast, to maybe earn some money from doing it. I've been doing this for, I think I'm in my fourth year now, um, 52 episodes last year, all for free. Uh, They're still for free, but Patreon enables people to become a patron of the podcast and contribute something. Um, So it might help me. Well, it'll help me to earn a little bit of money. It will also help me to to raise some money to invest. I do this on a very low budget. It'd be nice to invest in some nice equipment and make it sound better. So if this is something that is of interest to you, you can go to patreon.com forward slash bullshit detective and you can become a patron and you can decide how much you donate. Uh, You know, it'll be a monthly fee. For as long as you want to, the price of a coffee, a really expensive coffee, ideally, um, or the price of, I don't know, a packet of chewing gum or a tiny sweet. Up to you. Um, Either way, I don't mind. If you don't, you don't. Um, The people who do are effectively supporting the podcast so that everyone can have a podcast. Uh, I won't say any more apart from patreon.com forward slash bullshit detective not the bullshit detective. Uh, I'll let you get on with the podcast. Bye. Oh, mate. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, yeah. Yeah, it's another, another pleasant day. It's not been too bad, has it? No, it's been all right. It's been all right. Um, so look, to, to, I suppose to dive straight in, um, mm-hmm. we, had a, we had a chat. Well, it was only a couple of days ago, wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah, it was. I suppose what was to, what was um, interesting to hear is your your very positive thoughts on the prison system, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I just thought it might be useful just to give a bit of context to the conversation, just to you know, just talk about your I, I, I don't know, your life up until now, a bit of a bit of a timeline in terms of um, what life was like before now. Okay, um, not a problem. Uh... Go back to 
1980, um, which was when um, I received my first arrest or arrested for the first time. I was 10 years old for criminal damage. Yeah. I received the police caution. Um, on the build-up to that, going back slightly further, but only a couple of years earlier, um, I was I, I suffered a period of sexual abuse um, outside of the, the family home. I had quite a, a loving and happy family home. Yeah. Um, and then at the age of 10, just prior to my first arrest, I contracted meningitis. So there's a couple of things at a very early age that I suppose looking back or with the kind of knowledge and information we have now, you'd, you'd, you'd call adverse childhood experiences or yeah. cause trauma. Um, yeah. But 1978, 1979, 1980, none of that existed back then. Um, adult, ADA, uh, sorry, ADHD, the disorders kind of, they weren't really around. And I suppose mental health was you was either sane or you wasn't the, yeah. the kind of, mental health talk back then was the stiff upper lip, keep your chin up. Um, yes. So people really did keep quite a lot in. And I suppose um, you, you kind of grow up within that environment. So you, 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 you're used to, I suppose, keeping things to yourself. Um, and look, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not making excuses. I'm, I'm responsible for all the actions I've taken over my life and for the crimes I've committed. And I've said all along that, I'm also responsible for all the prison sentences that I've served. However, I, I do have, or now, should I say, have mitigating circumstances. I, I never used them as excuses or reasons um, when I was in court. Um, and they've only really come to the kind of front now that perhaps these were some of the reasons why my behaviour was uh, a certain way when I was younger. Um, yep. yep. Fair enough, I could have taken another path. Not everybody that's had uh, or come from sort of trauma or poverty or multiple disadvantages or, or abusive childhood um, have gone down the criminal justice path. It's just that I did. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, there are many of us that have. Um, so for me, um, again, it's really been over the years I've been involved with the criminal justice system in respect of a service user, supervised individual, whatever you want to call it, former yeah. prisoner, been in and out of prison a number of times over the years. My first time was 1985 when I was 15 um, at um, a detention centre, Sharp Sharp Shock, as it was known. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was there for just over three months and after three weeks, I was used to it and, it, it kind of got me used to, I suppose, incarceration to a point where the, the, there was no consequence for crime, if that makes sense. Um, there was no fear factor involved because I knew what the other side of the wall was like. Um, and then I, I went, I ended up in another one, Eastwood Park in, in Bristol, which was a detention centre back then, is now a, a, a woman's prison. And then throughout the 80s, I was in and out. I, I kind of done a tour of the Southeast Young Offenders Institutes or Youth Custody Centres, as they were known then, um, yeah. Chelmsford, Dover, Rochester. Um, we also had HMP Canterbury, which had a what's known as a YP, a young prisoners or young persons uh, landing before. So I was in big man's jail at 17. Um, yeah. I, and I spent my 18th birthday 
in, in, in Dover Youth Custody. So, uh, uh, funny enough, I was not funny, but I was up there during the 1987 hurricane um, back in what, October, back in October 1987. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's quite a, quite kind of a lot of things were going on that in that time that kind of runs parallel to my life. So it's easy to remember things about it. Um, yeah. Then I, I kind of got out. I, I, I decided that the time was right for me to sort of sort myself out. I was 19, just come out. I thought, right, this is it now. I'm going to sort myself out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knuckle down. Um, it weren't brilliant. It weren't, I, I met someone, someone that I kind of was with when I was a teenager. And we got together and um, it was going nicely. I was working. Um, and then we decided to get married and, and get a mortgage. Uh, and that was, uh, I got married in 1990, uh, which would have been in the September, my 21st birthday. And then in the October, three weeks after my 21st birthday, age 59, my mum died two days before her 60th birthday. And that really, really did knock me back because it started making me feel really guilty about the time that I'd lost. Um, yeah. And it also made me feel guilty because she passed of a heart attack or died of a heart attack that... Um, it was kind of my fault in a way because of the stress and strains. Obviously, there was other things. I was the youngest of six, and one as if they were um, weren't putting them any through pressure. But my old man as well. He was kind of. Um, I found out that that um, he, he was a gambler, lost some money, that to remortgage the house. So there was all that going on as well that I didn't know about. And um, but I still blame myself, and um, so it really did start eating away at me. Uh, I moved away. It ruined my relationship. Uh, I ruined that relationship, that marriage. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, I still see my daughter now, so um, there has good some good come out of that. She's the mother of two granddaughters as well, so there is some excellent good that's come out of that. Um, and uh, I moved away, moved to London, um, and you you can't really run away from yourself. I, I kind of temporarily put a hold on things. I was in work, but again, it was in and out of work, different jobs all the time, couldn't really take authority. Um, as soon as yeah. someone called me in the office to, to have a go at me or something, I'd be like, listen, mate, don't tell me that, and I'd leave. Uh, but then you could easily walk into work back then, so it was a lot easier. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, and it was in sales as well. So even if kind of commission only, there was always a commission only sale, even if, like without a, a, a salary. So there was always something kind of available. So it was, it was, it was working like that. And then September, I think September the 12th, it was, my, my dad died in <laughs> uh, 1995. Yeah. So I was struggling to, and, and that really, I suppose, was the start of the downward spiral that took quite a while to kind of get from the top to the bottom. Uh, but looking back again with hindsight and hindsight is such a wonderful thing, but then we can access hindsight with utilizing lived experience with obviously men and women and like myself and even young people like myself who do give back. It's we're the hindsight, if you like. So with hindsight, I, um, I can kind of see, Jesus, even even back as a kid, it was like the signs were there. Everything was there. However, the the kind of information, the knowledge, the experience around me, that wasn't there. Um, it, again, you was either challenging and disruptive or you was a, an A-star student. There was kind of no in-between. So um, 
Yeah, and, and I look back, I, I, I was quite a good rugby player at school, and in the end, it comes to the point where they started to use it as a, as a stick rather than a carrot. And for me, the punishment become the reward. Um, yeah. And uh, I got so sick and tired of hearing it that once I kind of, uh, basically, I, I represented my district at rugby, and the school were threatening me that unless I behave myself, they're going to expel me, I wouldn't have a school to play for, therefore I couldn't yep. punish my district. And it was like... You ain't having that control over me. So I took the control away from them by acting even worse and ended up getting expelled, expelled from a pro. Um, home tutor didn't last five minutes. Next thing you know, uh, at that age, I was um, taken into the care of the local authority. And that's when, from there on in, kind of that journey begun up until 2015. Um, I mean, there's a lot more that went on in between, but 2015, I was... On the streets, I was in a church doorway. Um, I, I had nothing. I had no one. I was on crack. I was on heroin, drinking, smoking, everything. Um, yeah. Like just a walking prescription, you know what I mean? It was just mad. And I realised that I needed to be in the place where I, it was kind of a win-win situation. Well, to be honest, I felt like killing myself at first. Um, yeah. And... and um, a few things transpired, and I obviously didn't. Um, I, I didn't even make an attempt. Uh, and a, a few things happened, and which meant I didn't. And it kind of fell on me that the one place that I knew that I could go to to sort myself out, to move myself forward, was prison. Um, yeah. And all them times I've been to prison, and I've used prison to to kind of, or since I've whilst I was in prison, survive prison, not even consider about society, not even consider about life out here, just to do things in prison that got me through prison. However, some of those things that I did, um, I started something way back in 2005 when I was in HMP Blunderston. It was with um, Shannon Trust. Uh, they're an organisation, charity, who train prisoners to teach prisoners who can't read to read. It's, it's, it's that simple. Obviously, the process isn't, but the, the, the kind of thing itself is that simple. And, yeah. and it, it made me a better person. It, it, it started to call it, kind of uncover um, compassion, empathy, patience. Um, I was watch, listening to a podcast yesterday with a good mate of mine who was interviewing a former prisoner, and he was kind of saying the same things, but from a different perspective, However, the theme of what we were both saying, it, it kind of, and then from that, you start doing more. Then the more you do, the more you realise how much of a good person you are and how much of that fake side of it was all the front to protect you for, for that person that you, that character you have become um, to protect that character. So when, when we talk of reform, when we talk of rehabilitation, um, it's more along the lines of the attitude, mindset. It's literally that that change in mindset, that switch in mindset where you kind of take that step back and think, do you know what? I'm not that bad, actually. Um, it's just the environment where I was a better person, where I grew to be a better person, where I become uh, more patient, where I had more compassion, where I had more empathy, was the environment of prison. Um, yeah, of course, that then become... There was another podcast, I, I, I like listening and watching podcasts, um, but this guy was talking about how he swapped jobs and he went in to work for the Met, so it's quite a dangerous job, but the environment matched him. It, it suited his personality. 
And when yeah. it suited his personality, he was able to just grow and, and his life become more enhanced. He was more aware of things. Um, he had less stress because it was his, it, it's like now the work that I do, um, I work to try and reform the prison system. And I'm also trying yeah. to work towards reforming our education system as well. But it's not work, it's passion. Um, and it's the, it's the sort of work I was doing in prison. So in a way, um, although my environment's changed, my character hasn't. So I'm, I'm doing all that work that made me a better person, that formed me, reformed me into a better person, that changed my character. I'm able to be able to be that person out here and, and kind of where it happened in prison, I've come out with a plus because I've got a, a higher level of a platform to work off than I would if I hadn't done any work in prison, if that makes sense. How's that, Dave? <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 and it's interesting. I, I think, look, it's it, it's interesting to hear you talk. You know, you, you have, and look, we all we all do, and and they're to different degrees. We have yeah. we have experiences early on in life which which shape us in some way, mm-hmm. um, and actually, um, they they change us in some way, or they change how we relate to the world and how we feel about ourselves yeah, exactly. and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. so I've spoken about it before in podcasts. I mean, for me, it was when my, my, my granddad died when I was eight years old. Right. And I became much more introverted. Mm-hmm. And I think my my sort of, and then I went into a career and it was I don't know, relatively successful, but it was, you know, looking back, I was just depressed in mm-hmm. it. It was just, I just, I hated it. And I just, just kept going. Um, but because I'd sort of, I'd, I'd shifted in my thinking at the age of eight, I just kind of let life happen to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, sh- shit stuff happens. So I may as well just let it, mm-hmm. let it carry on. Um, and it's only been in the last sort of 10 years that I've started to, to come out of that. And, and a bit like you say, I've, I've found things that that don't feel like work. I've found things that I just enjoy. Mm. I do this podcast. I've been doing it for four years and I just do it. Mm. There's no there's no 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 strings attached to it. I just do it because I want to. Um, but but again, you know, it's this whole concept of there are reasons why you became like you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not excuses because you're not making excuses. You, as you say, you, you take responsibility. But here in your your backstory, it's like I don't know. I mean, maybe other people can't, but I I can't listen to that. And and you know, what, what, what my thinking is: Ah, right now I get it. Well, now I understand it. Yeah. Now that makes sense. And, that, and that, I can understand. That was the same for me, Dave. Um, and that's kind of how it come to me, if you like. In 2010, I was um, seeing this clinical psychologist and I just knew I couldn't play him. Um, I, they were just, <laughs> I was also seeing this psychiatrist in Bury St Edmunds at the hospital and he was just, he, he was just a tramp. Um, his suit was dirty, his shirt was hanging out, his tie was all hanging down, his hair was a mess. Um, he had dandruff on the shoulders. I'm not knocking the fact he had dandruff, but at least brush it off. Um, yeah. His office was a mess. His office was was worse than a was worse than a toddler bedroom after being a birthday party. And it was like I couldn't take the guy seriously. So he got and yeah. and in a way that's kind of how I've treated probation officers and those that worked with me over the years. That um, I haven't wanted to be helped. And and with him, I didn't want any help from him. I didn't trust him. So he just got told what I wanted to hear. But when I saw the clinical psychologist. Oh Jesus! <laughs> this geezer knows his stuff, and it's just—and it weren't even—he hadn't even spoke to me. It was just the office and the environment and the, the kind of vibe and atmosphere of his 
of his um, clinic. So, um, and it's funny, I've done this psychosymmetric test um, and, and, and I knew that there was a few questions that I was a bit, um, I suppose, yeah, lied on. Um, I tried to make myself look better. And yeah. um, when I got the report back, he actually, and, and it kind of reinforced and validated the initial feelings, gut feelings that I had about this guy. He knew I'd lied. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. They do. Um, that's why they're there. Um, so he knew I'd lied. And, um, and it, that kind of made everything that followed on have more impact. And he kind of um, gave me a few of these diagnoses, uh, personality disorder diagnosis. And again, it was um, rather than go, well, I've got an excuse now. Look, all that shit that happened to me, it's this. It was more a case of, right, right, okay, now I've kind of got the blueprint. Um, I've, I've, got the, uh, I've got the plans, if you like, so I can start to rewire where it needs rewiring and uh, re-channeling where it needs re-channeling. And that's what I've done. I, I, it, I didn't get it right all the time um, and, until now, until 2015. And even in 2015 when I went back to jail, um, I didn't get it right. I made a mistake in prison because although I was looking towards freedom, I'd forgot I can't be surviving prison how I used to survive and kind of dodgy deals and that sort of thing. And it all come on top one time. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it gave me my final lesson that you can't half change. You, you, you either change or you don't. You don't. I didn't change, if that makes sense. My character, I'm still me. Um, I, I'm scratched beneath the surface, and yet this is probably self-deprecating, but scratched beneath the surface, and I'm still a criminal. The only difference is I don't want to be. <laughs> I choose not to be. I haven't changed. It's just that mindset, do you know what I mean? Um, it's like a lot of crimes I committed was opportunist. So opportunist means yeah. spot crime all the time. I haven't stopped spotting crime. I choose not to commit it because my life now has purpose. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, David. It's, there's one thing changing your life around in prison um, for, you, for, for whatever reason. But the one, you, you've got to do it for yourself. Plain and simple, you're selfish. That's it. You've got to do it for yourself. Yep, yeah. there's no, yep, um, if you're doing it for other people, there's no point. Because once they're out of your life or whatever, or there's a fallout, boom, crisis. You're back on the pipe. You're back on the needle. Um, so yeah, it's got to be for you, but you got to have purpose. Is it right? I'm coming off drugs, all right? Why? Well, because they make me feel shit, blah, blah. but what's the purpose? That's the thing. It's what's that purpose? And my purpose is, as I said, the, the kind of using my experience, using all those negative experiences and the positive ones, but using those negative yeah. experiences to try and influence change in the criminal justice system and in the education system. Because as I say, those with lived experience that give back are, are hindsight. They're our hindsight. Let's learn the lessons that people have already gone through. Let's not wait for the individual to learn the lessons all over again when we can get use early intervention and stop it happening in the first place. Or if we can't stop it from happening, which we can't have a zero-risk society, we at least empower them with the skills and experiences or the knowledge, if you like, to be able to deal with the shit when it happens. Yeah, and I, I suppose, I mean, that, that's the thing, isn't it? There are, there are wider cultural reasons why, why crime happens. And, and look, your, your example is an example. You had some experiences and, and, and crime, you, you, know, you, you took that route, <laughs> but you, yeah, you didn't necessarily know you had a choice. Mm. 
Um, so given given your experience over the years of the prison system, I mean, I mean how much has it changed not from when you first went in to when you last went in? Not much, mate, not much. It's the same old story. You, you've got, like, the overcrowding. Um, the, the prison system, when I first went away in 85, I think it was around about 42,000, around about 42,000, 45,000. So it's near enough doubled in that time, since that time. Um, uh, so, I mean, in, in the last... Um, since obviously prisons were used as places of punishment, which has basically been the last 200 years, um, yeah. in the last 100 and was it 190 years, or, or since since prisons they've quadrupled, but in the last 20 years they've doubled. So it took 130 years to double, and then to double again, it's taken 20 years. So we yeah. kind of We've, we seem to have been using for a number of years now the criminal justice system, not just to punish people, but to hide society's problems and issues. We've, um, I mean, look at the poll tax and council tax and TV licence. Um, those people are, are, are still in prison now. I mean, they are not many of them, don't get me yeah. wrong, but is that the right use of prison um, when you're putting in their murderers, um, armed robbers, which my last crime was? So... Um, should we be mixing? I mean, at the end of the day, prison itself is crimin uh, criminogenic. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a university. Yeah. People go in there um, first time, come out experienced cons, experienced criminals, because they know other ways to do things. Um, people go in there with hardly any contacts. They come out with a good number of contacts and they're in the drug game. Um, talking yeah. of drugs, they go in there, clean as a whistle and come out with a habit. So... Prison can ruin lives, just as, and people need to remember as well that, and I'm not making excuses, but the very high majority of prisoners were once victims or are victims themselves. And, and that's why they end up down in the criminal justice system because their brains are so messed up with everything that's gone on in respect to the poverty, the trauma, the multiple disadvantages, the abuse, whatever, even even parental divorce. I mean, yeah, parental divorce is a trauma. Having a parent in prison yeah. is a trauma. That child with a parent in prison is six times more likely than children in the general population to go to prison. Um, so when that, if that child ends up in prison and we know that, who failed who? If we are forewarned with that information that this child of that prisoner there's a good opportunity of ending up in prison and we don't do anything about it by intervening and he ends up in prison, whose fault's that? Because as far as I'm concerned, it's shared responsibility. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror of society and ask, are we doing enough before we start pointing yeah. the finger when someone's in prison? Yeah, and look, the fact that it exists suggests we're not doing enough. Exactly, no, exactly. And we're not, and I'm not, look, at the end of the day, mate, I really do not know if I would have, well, I know I wouldn't have this passion without the experience, but I don't know what my views would be. I don't know if I would be led by the media headlines and what we see on the news, or I would have half a brain and look behind the headlines and ask what really is going on. With It, it can't always be this one-sided. And even with, when you look at reducing reoffending, I think the average, uh, and that includes everybody, the average is 42% for reoffending. Now, that means that 50% yeah. don't. So, obviously, there is something that goes on in prison. There's a lot of positives that go on in just the fact that prison itself doesn't have a riot every day is a positive. 
Um, if you yeah. think how many prisoners there are per member of staff, the prisoners could easily take over a prison. I'm not saying it would last yeah. long because obviously the staff would then get more staff in and over uh, outnumber, but at the initial stages, and that's why prisons work because of that kind of relationship that goes on, that hidden relationship, if you like. And I don't mean like physical, I mean metaphorical relationship, that them and us that does need to exist. It's just because um, them and us sounds like it's got negative connotations. The principle of them and us has to exist. It's the practices of them and us. That's that's what you play about with. And um, you can easily still have in prison a them and us, and we do. They've got the keys to unlock us, and we allow it. We're conditioned. Um, so, yeah. um, it's kind of... Um, prison really isn't that bad an environment to be in. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, mate, but it isn't once you're there, once you're settled, and, and many people say it, so it's not as if you're hearing it for the first time, whoever's listening, but um, once you get, it's not holiday camp, it's bloody hard work, but once you get your yeah. feet under the table, it's like anything in life. It's like grief. It becomes, the more you do it, the, the, the kind of longer it goes on, the lesser it impact it has on you the more of a kind of you you're over on the acceptance and you are on the sort of kind of grieving side because you, you you're losing your freedom you've lost something so yeah. you still need to go through that process so as soon as you get into and i'm not saying yeah conform but conform to get you through prison the right way but accept it you're not going anywhere so the quicker you accept it the quicker your mind becomes settled the quicker you're comfortable in the environment You've got to kind of decondition people, if you like, and debrief them before release, but that's what resettlement's all about. And then each individual can take whatever kind of pathway for them is subjectively going to be successful for them as individuals um, in respect of, right, okay, I need to get that sorted, that sorted, that sorted. Prison does provide that opportunity. It needs to be better, but there is that, and as I say, that there's myself and many like us, who have come out of prison and turned our lives around, but we turned our lives around in prison. And what people see in the community is based on all that work we did in prison. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, for, for me, I, I, I've never been to prison. I don't know many people who have. And, and I suppose, you know, I, I don't really, or, or haven't really ever thought about what goes on in prison, apart from obviously what I've seen on the yeah. telly, which is, which, which isn't, which isn't fact, it, it's fiction. So, so you know that the media and TV builds this 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 image of what it's like, um, and it's always going to be you know a, away from the truth. Yeah, but you can understand why in respect to prisons. I mean, you don't want to kind of uh, I mentioned Butlins. You don't want to be um, highlighting and placing the spotlight on them as if they are actual uh, holiday camps because they, they they really are not. Look, at the end of the day, right? Um, the food isn't brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm not look. Um, that's one. Th Listen, you're in prison. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> but like, earn money and buy some other food. That's that's. This ain't about if you can't do crime. Uh, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. But it's about come on, bro. <laughs> don't don't expect some McDonald's in jail. Do you know what I mean? Don't expect cordon bleu cookery in jail. So have some expectations that you're going to be eating shit food. Um, but then yeah. physically. Um, you've got the opportunity of going to the gym. You can kind of exercise in your cell. You've got the ex. So physically, it's not mentally is where it gels very, very difficult. And 
and again, that's where it's all well and good uh, getting someone a job when they come out. It's all well and good getting someone employment uh, accommodation when they come out. It's all well and good getting someone contact back with their family when they come out. But if they're not right in the head, if they haven't got the skills and that experience and them coping mechanisms when the shit hits the fan, unfortunately, they're going to crash. So it's all, as I say, it's all well and good, all of these all of these kind of decorations, but don't forget to feed the tree. Don't forget to water the tree. Do you know what I mean? It's like you just got to make sure that the individual has enough about them that should a crisis, an obstacle, a hurdle come up in front of them upon release, they're able to deal with it and not go back to old fashioned, old style ways. Okay, so so when you you know when you talk about reform and and, and the work mm-hmm. you do now, I mean, is that is that kind of where it's focused? Because look, someone goes into prison and well, look, I guess the one thing they've got more than they've ever had is yeah. time. And like you say, there's you can you can exercise, and I mean the food's not great, but actually you can you can improve yourself in, in a physical yeah. sense. And there's a real, there's a real place for that exercise is good for us. Yeah. It's good for us mentally, but it's like, that's only going to take you so far. Yeah. So is it, is it more about, you know, is the reform, the kind of reforms you're talking about and working on, and I appreciate you're working on some stuff that you yeah. you know, you don't really want to talk about yet. Um, is that where it's focused? Is it, is it that kind of thing? Is it the sort of the mental wellbeing, the, 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 the mental development education? Yeah. You I mean, we're kind of um, there. If you like, there, there's a, a a bubble of society that are continually in the revolving doors of the criminal justice system, and um, and yeah. within that bubble, you've got, I suppose, the families and the associates of, of those people as well. So, like I mentioned earlier, if you've got someone that's a parent in prison, the child is six more times, uh, six times more likely to end up in prison. Well, then. of adults in prison have been excluded from school at some point in their life. That's adults. So you kind of, you're looking at a a bubble, if you like, a a cohort of of prisoners, of of, um, those trapped in the revolving doors, where it's more a case of having their needs met, um, where poverty, trauma, multiple disadvantages, a parent in prison, a parent that was excluded from school, so may have a negative view of the education system when it comes to their own child. So there's all of that to kind of take on board. So it's about, I mean, I'd love to see um, equity, not equality, but equity across the board. Let's just remove everything so everyone gets a fair crack of the rip. But unfortunately, we don't have that. Um, And... For it, so it's it's kind of yeah. If you don't if you don't work with those needs, the the fear of not access. Sorry, the fear of not having those needs met, or the fear of not having them uh, having them. Yeah, the fear of not having them needs met is worse than the consequence. The fear of the consequence, and in the criminal justice system, the fear of the consequence is usually prison. So not having whatever it is, even drugs, alcohol, not having that net fix, not having that next pint becomes more of a fear factor than what the consequence is, is if they get caught accessing the funds to try and get the drugs or the alcohol. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's about early intervention as well. So when you look at school kids, and and I don't know if it still goes on now. Well, I know it does, actually, because of the work that I do. Um, Challenging and disruptive behaviour. 
um, that really does frustrate me because it's kids ain't emotionally mature enough to understand what's going on in their lives anyway. They're not emotionally mature enough to understand the changes their body are going through as they go through teenage years. Then if they've got a trauma, if they're coming from a, a life of poverty, if they're coming from a life of multiple disadvantages and they've got all of that as well and that let's say they, they were sexually abused as well and they haven't been able to deal with any of that and they've gone to school and the only way that they can deal with it because of the emotional maturity and the stigma and discrimination, of course, is by playing up, by putting that front on it. And it usually starts off by being a class clown. And then like it, yeah. it, it, it kind of, in one aspect, it runs parallel with the criminal justice system. Criminal justice system, you start off with, uh, I don't know, smashing windows, bit of shoplifting, a uh, bit of antisocial behaviour. And if you're on that pathway, you're soon like I was at 14, credit cards, fraud, armed robberies, uh, commercial burglaries. You build up and it doesn't take time because for me, I, I kind of, I love my family. I love my brothers and sisters. Don't get me wrong. And I distance myself. I disengage myself. I, again, I can look back, but I had disengaged myself from my family. I had, I, I had supposed it was all of that self-doubt and Thomas. And I know that I, I was getting stuff said to me as well. It was like, you're shit, you're never a man or anything. Uh, I had one teacher, I, I was trying to get a transfer out and I couldn't get a transfer. And he said, all the time you're at your school, he said, I'm going to make your life a misery. I went, yeah, all the time I'm here, I'm going to make your life a misery. And that's, but, but that's what it was like, Dave. So you kind of, you play up, didn't you? You play to type and, I was kind of searching for uh, an identity as well at that age. And um, I, I was just a fucked up kid. Um, and um, however, the signs were there. Do you know what I mean? So um, let's look behind that challenge and disruptive behavior that's going on, especially if there's a pattern where all of a sudden this kid like, got 99% attendance rate, A star, A, A. The next thing you know, he's got 60% attendance rate. And his, his grades are dropped down to full, uh, B's, C's, D's or whatever. There's obviously something that's gone yeah. on. And rather than be like, what's wrong with you? It's like, what's happened to you? Because obviously something's happened and something's happened that's being leaked out of that child in another way because their schoolwork, which two months ago they were brilliant at, has, has just nosedived and no one's picking that up. But the problem is, when it is picked up, look at Cam's. There's an 18 month waiting list. What's that about? <laughs> Do we care about what it's all we done? Right. Well, I suppose it comes down to a number of things. It, it, it's, well, money. Um, Money's the, the old age. Yeah, but it's, it's about it's, redirecting it's, funds. I mean, yeah. the, last year they announced 4.3 yes. billion for a nine year, um, 10,000 new extra space prison program build. Now, if, if we start early intervention, if we start throwing money in our youth now, we won't need prisons in five years' time because they won't be offending, let alone yes. re-offending, because we'd have intervened early, we'd have asked them what was wrong with them, we would have asked them what they need, what they think they need, shall I say, in order for them to turn their lives around or to fix what issues that they've got, and then to provide them with that. It, it's... 
and and we, we also spend too much time looking for the next Albert Einstein. Why? Let's look for the next Mick Jagger or the next Phil Collins or the next Pele yeah. or the next Maradona or the next, I don't know, whatever, the next Eric Bristow, whatever. Um, but what we need to do is we need to start working with, with children's abilities and talents and then tag on the education that, that kind of makes itself apparent they need to be able to survive life, but survive life using their abilities and their talents and not struggle trying to survive life with this fake education people can try and ram down their throats. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so actually, you know, this reform is, is, is less about reform of the prison system and, and more about reform education. of education. Education, yeah. I mean, we're all mixed, really. It's society, education, criminal justice system are all mixed, obviously, but that's another thing. But the criminal justice system exists within society. Our prison system exists within society, and a lot of people seem to forget that as well. But in respect of education... Um, the educate there's a what's everyone knows it is the school to prison pipeline within our youth custody system right now um amongst the 15 to 21 year olds in custody 90 percent of them were excluded from school at some point and as i mentioned there's 42 percent in the adult estate there's huge numbers where it's quite easy to say do you know what we need to close that school to prison pipeline Therefore, what we need is the education system and the criminal justice system with all its associated agencies working together so that we can stop that school or prison pipeline. We can block. And if we can't block it, at least start to provide for other pathways, escape routes out of that pipeline before they get to prison. And we do that through early intervention. And we do it by speaking believe, and listening, even though I don't shut up, but... Um, um, on the other side of the fence, it is. It's that the old 80 20 rule, 80% listening. Um, and believe, uh, and that's what worked for me, mate, years later, um, what, 2016, being listened to, being supported, and being believed in. And that is what enabled me to turn my life around and do what I'm doing now. And that was in prison and one person. Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, I, I just I, I'm quite interested in. I've always been interested in yep. in serial killers. Also, I watch the program <laughs> books and. Well, exactly, but but you know that they start off as this yep. this evil figure, and then you actually start to hear about their their stories, it's and you, only, think, you know, yeah. almost like I'm not Do surprised. You know, I, I um I done a degree <laughs> while I was in prison, um, and one of the re- there, there are several reasons why I done it, but one of the reasons was for me personally, um, to see whether or not. Um, I could prove those teachers that wrote or, or not prove them wrong, but prove them right, I suppose, if only David had applied himself. Um, I had to start off with an access module because yeah. I didn't have an education. So I'd done the access module first and absolutely smashed it. So my teachers, congratulations, you were right. When I did apply myself, I got some incredible results. Now, my question to them is, why didn't you apply yourselves to me? You were the adult. I was a child. Why should I be expected to understand what it was that I was going through? Well, and I, I, I think for me, the education system, because it, it's too education. focused on, on like the, well, it's too focused yeah, exactly. on the ideal result, which is, which is, yep. which is an A, let's say, you know, whatever it is. And I know that, I know there are grades within that, but, 
but I, I just think that, that a lot of a lot of schools approach it. They're more interested in their own results than the results. School of league tables. What's that about? That Get rid got. of them. Get rid of them. And yet, yeah, and yeah, exactly. And, and what, when I sorry, when I say, <laughs> when I say results, yeah, but when, when I say the results of of the individual kids, you know, those results aren't linked to no, A's and B's and C's. It's about how they turn out as human beings and and how you know how fulfilled they are with their lives. Yeah, and, and yeah, and world. for me, I mean. And look, I, I do not blame the teachers before anyone. I don't blame teachers and I don't blame parents. Um, I don't even blame the kids. Right? Yep. Like us. Obviously, it's, it's society. We, we all have a responsibility. The old adage, it takes a village to raise a child. That's so true. We all have our... I don't care if it's your child, yep. their child, her child or my child. If it's anybody's child, I'm going to do what I can to make sure that they get the best possible start in life. And why shouldn't we all be doing that? But um, the thing is, what happens is you get to a point, and especially when people get into power, of um, they have to justify their position. So the right thing gets lost. It's about who's right at the top. And it's, it's let's drop all that. It's not about who's right. It's about let's do the right thing. Um so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the schools that we need to be able to provide our schools and our teachers with the right support as much as we do our children. We can't, yeah. our teachers go to college, go to school, they go to college, go to university, get their degree, get their whatever, so they can teach a specific subject. You would not get a mechanic in to build your back wall. You'd get a bricklayer in. It's as simple as that. But that doesn't mean to say the mechanic shouldn't need to know a decent bricklayer who we can refer someone to. Do you know what I mean? So we need these schools yes. need to be yeah, more yeah, informed. Yeah. They need to be more trauma-informed environments, but they also need to be able to support the teachers so that teachers can get on and do the job that they wanted to do, teach. But let them teach the way they want, not because that's how they do it in Newcastle. That's how they do it in Cornwall because of this national curriculum that does nothing for the local areas because it's a national curriculum and what the people want to learn in Newcastle might not be the same as what they want to learn in Cornwall because the ongoing employment um, opportunities may be completely different. So we need to kind of, let's look at our education system to feed our local environment, to feed our local um, um, economies. Let's make sure that these kids, local kids, if you want local jobs, then get local people to take them or train local people up to do the jobs. And one of those places where you do that, school. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I, think, I think you're right, you know, and, and there, there, is a, there yeah. are a lot of conversations around education, you know, it's like, you know, you can you can you can teach maths in in the, like the theoretical sense, but maybe maybe maths should be not something that's taught as one subject, but something that's taught as part of yeah, many but it's different subjects. You know, so so teach kids how to do teach kids how to do a tax return, teach kids how to, how to apply for a mortgage, teach, yeah. all these sort of things. And there's an element there's teach, an element of teach, maths in that. Teach a kid how to play a guitar. And he'll be able, be able, not only would be able to read music and play guitar, but I guarantee you, he'll learn English and maths at the same time. Because there's beats yes. that you have to learn. And not, not realise he's, he's doing it. Embedded learning, blended learning. That's what it's about. <laughs> Find out. This is, and again, this is what blew me away with this interview last night with this Sean up north. It's like he's the northern version of myself. It's about finding out. When I used to teach people to read, when I used to get um, trying to kind of connect with people as a wing rep, as whatever, 
find out what they enjoy. It's no point talking to a geezer about golf if he hates it. But if he absolutely loves Formula One, then you know how to teach him. You just teach him using Formula One. Hey, oh, look. So if Lewis Hamilton wins this week, where does that take? Maths! <laughs> Maths! But he don't even know he's doing about it because yeah. he's talking about Formula One. It's, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, it, it's about, it's almost like it's got to be turned on its head, but the, but the, the education system, we have an opportunity. System, it's so, so, it's so entrenched. It's so entrenched in what it does. And, I, and I'll take your point about teachers. It's like, yeah, they're onto a loser, aren't they? You know, like you say, they, they go to school, they go to college, they go to university. They're pretty young and they start teaching. And, <laughs> and then, then they, they get battered by parents as well, because they, if you like, teachers are used as the buffer between parents and the education system. And I think that's so wrong. Um, and this is something that with the work I do within criminal justice, kind of something that probation, the National Probation Service, who are, for no fault of their own, I suppose, haven't got the best of reputations. Um, so therefore, when you haven't got the best of reputations, trust is hard to come by. And I think that's the same with schools and parents. Yeah. Lived experience. Use lived experience to build, bridge that gap. The, the guys that have gone through it, the girls that have gone through it and, and ones that have been expelled will understand the parent, but they also understand the school and they make a very good buffer, peer support workers, yeah. lived experience, people lived experience, make good buffers. As I say, they provide the hindsight that no one else can. And if you can incorporate that in with the practitioners, the charities, the organisations, the government, council, probation, and you can incorporate lived experience at the policy and decision-making level, then you'd like to think that those that are kind of following behind, those that are trapped in the systems that we're talking about, will have people that eventually are better informed based on this lived experience inclusion. Um, so it's about listening. We're, we're all students and teachers, Dave. We can all learn and listen um, from each other. We, we can educate and be educated from each other. Our children educate us. Um, and they st my grandchildren still educate me, do you know what I mean? And they educate them, and, and yeah, there's kind yeah, yeah. of 40-odd years between us. So if we can do it between generations, I'm sure we can do it within society. Yeah, and look, actually, I mean, that, that sort of, that cross-generational thing is, is something that, that is mm. really... Uh, in my thoughts yeah, a lot, 100%. I think we've lost that. We've lost. It's like you say, yep. you know, it, take, it takes a village to raise a child. You don't have, you don't have those those wise. Well, we'll keep your year and send you home on the, if you behave yourself. It misbehaved in the local part that we keep an eye yeah. out. But, but yeah, but not 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 no. not to do that to exclude you from society. So so you get expelled from school, and basically the message there is you don't belong in. You're not part of this big thing yep. over here, which is society. You, you you sit outside of it, and then you know it's it's it, prisons the same. I mean, prisons not that dissimilar. No, you're, you're, you're talking you, you're talking about an education system that tries to teach children about society in isolation, and then you've got a criminal justice system yeah. that treats prisoners about freedom in incarceration. <laughs> so like. Practice yeah. what you preach. <laughs> you, want me, you want me to be a better person? No, Treat me as a better person. If you want me to have like equity, give me equity. But don't don't start going on about labels and then 
kick me out of school and then go, oh, look, there's a label on him now. It just, <laughs> schools are label makers. That's all they are. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and, and well, it's 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 all transactional, isn't it? It's like you've got to you've got to yeah. earn everything in some way, rather than actually but, just treat me like a dick. And and you know what? And, it, and it, what a, what an opportunity to get the linking. But there, there's two organisations that actually do work um, with families and loved ones of prisoners, especially the children. Um, and our yeah. storybook dads and children heard and seen, and they're both charities that have to rely on donations, and yet they do a hell of a lot of work in supporting, as I mentioned, the families of prisoners, and storybook dads as well. They work with prisoners inside prison to produce books that basically you read um, your kid, your grandchild, a story, gets recorded. It used to get put on CD. Now they've got the availability of being able to do it on video. So you can imagine imagine a kid getting yeah. that, their dad on video or their mum on video, reading them a story. That's going to be like they're going to be in a room. So it really is such a, a much-needed, uh, or both of them, loads of charities, but those two especially are much-needed. And they're also much-loved as well. So um, myself and a good friend of mine, we, we were working with a couple of prisons and – we created this um, project, which was a haiku poetry project with serving prisoners. Uh, and the, it just turned out so well. It literally was a hobby. And it was to give the guys and girls in prison something to do through lockdown, other than word searches and sudokus and that. But, um, so, but the work that came back was absolutely incredible. And we decided to set up a, a crowdfund so we can get the book published. Um, and all profits are going to be going to Storybook Dads and also to um, Children Heard and Seen. So that's on Crowdfunder, or you can go to penningcorrections.com to find out how to donate. We hit target on day one. <laughs> so it's the pressure's yeah, off and yeah. everything's a bonus, and it's just, oh, it's just been in, I think it's day three today, and we're on something like 160%. It's been such an incredible campaign. Sorry, Dave, why did you be in there, mate? Yeah, we, we... No, look, well, look, do you know what? You, you've just done my, my summing up bit for me because that's oh, what I was going to say, you know, just to sort of tie things up. Is there, is there, is there anything Super. you want to tell anyone about? And, and you just have. And, um, no, that's else. it, mate. No, that's, I mean, yeah, obviously, um, go and check out penningcorrections.com <laughs> um, or have a read up of Storybook Dads or Children Heard and Seen and see the incredible work that they do. And for me, when you kind of um, try and measure something that in a way isn't that measurable, you just imagine what the life would be like without them. And that really does scare the bejesus out of me, what prison life would be like without organisations like Storybook Dad and Children Heard and Seen. Yeah. And again, it, you know, I think it comes back to the, the, the these things are, are you you're doing things? Yeah, just because you basically, know right yeah. With and, and you're and you're never going to really be able to know what the result is, yeah. but you just know it's the right thing. Yeah, exactly. The result, exactly, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, loved it. Anyway, Absolutely perfect, loved it, mate. Um, so, yep. Thanks very much for coming on, and I will. Um, you are more than welcome. Enjoy the rest of the sunshine. Enjoy your rest of your evening and the week, mate. And no doubt we'll speak soon. All right, Dave. Cheers, mate. Yeah, you too. Cheers.
Well, thank you very much for listening to the latest episode of the Bullshit Detective podcast. And thanks very much to David Breakspear for coming on. David Breakspear. I didn't say that very well. Thanks very much to David Breakspear for coming on. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. And hope you also want to see future see. You're not going to see them. Hear future episodes. Um, if you would like to hear future episodes, then please remember to subscribe. And always always what's going on (laughs) and also remember the patreon thing if you'd like to be a patron of the podcast and donate something towards its upkeep um, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash bullshit detective i will speak to you soon in the next episode uh have a great life until then cheers bye